there's not gonna things. poke poke the big black bear <laughs> no no and i just realized i've got my mandalorian hoodie on and i I look as close to a big black bear i think as i ever have done i love it you it know? looks very fluffy and snuggly it is, it's lovely and fluffy and snuggly that's exactly what you want on a dreary november morning it absolutely is i haven't i've got i've got my like pajama bottoms on i've got my slippers on and i've yeah. got my i've got my mandalorian hoodie <laughs> So I'm all ultimate comfort. Ultimate. But I just realised just how much I look like a black bear. That's what I look like. <laughs> That's now got to be your uniform, right? You I need like some merch. Yeah, I maybe. If I, I need to get some ears for this bit, and then yeah. I can. I'm almost. I'm being the thing that I hate is the black bear. You know. Yeah, but then you're just you're tackling it head on, and you're taking control. There we go. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Um, <laughs> hi, friends. I feel like this is a bit of a like a Joe Rogan start. We've just started talking. <laughs> and I think I might just keep all that in. I feel like that's a, that's a great way to start the pod. Um, so I'm here with somebody that, um, right, I've been podcasting for 10 years, right? And um, as much as me and Neil, who I, I, I've done the, all of our podcasts with, um, we've had so much fun and so much laughs. The one thing I take away, that if I had to stop podcasting today, the one thing I would take away is the fact of the, the the fantastic, amazing, friendly, lovely people that we've met in those 10 years. And one of those people is my guest today. It's Sophia Franklin. Hello, Sophia. Oh, that's so nice. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I've, I, we, um, Neil will say the same thing, is that, that podcasting, while not financially rewarding, mm. <laughs> unfortunately... <laughs> Um, for everything else, for like for for meeting people and and making friends and finding people that you would never have, you would never have come across in in your normal you know working life. Yeah, it's been the gift that just keeps on giving, and it's people that like I think you've been on two or three of our podcasts that we've done. Can't get rid years. of me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like it's the same. It, it, what, and I love the fact that that people, if I ask, will always come back. On doesn't matter what kind of crap we're trying to do, mm. they'll always come back and come and chat. So oh. I, I thank you so much for coming and joining me for this one because it's not as it's, it's not. I, I hope it's a little bit of fun, but mm. it's a little bit more introspective and and and, and looking at ourselves and. And we were chatting. I wish I'd recorded a little bit earlier because we were talking quite like some really, really good bits about um, oh, all sorts. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> we'll get this, into uh, it. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But first of all, how are you? Because I know that you've had a bit of a cold lately. Yeah, yeah. So apart from the winter cold that just seemed to attack me earlier than I had planned, um, I'm actually okay. You know, we obviously the whole thing of this is to talk about depression and mental health. And I have had a really tough, I'd say, um, 18 months, but the last month I've been doing a lot better and there's lots of reasons for that. Um, and I'm sure we'll go into them, but mm. right now I'm doing really well. We, my, my partner, Joe and I have recently moved into our, renovation projects where I'm sat on the floor and there are boxes around me um and upstairs is a shell of a house right. um but since moving here I feel quite settled I feel like there's kind of there's things to do there's ways to keep me busy and I've had a really chaotic couple of years um moving down to London from from Gloucestershire where where we met um and kind of changing jobs and trying different things and you know, then meeting someone who was amazing, but also before that having some really terrible relationships, all of the above, now I feel quite settled. So you are coming to me on a very good weekend and I feel very um, zen, I would say, which is 
not normal. <laughs> but that's good, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say for myself is I went out singing for the first time in three weeks last night. Um, which was which was great because I'd had to cancel a couple of gigs because of yeah. um, what I was going through, but also like um, kidney stones, this whole thing all melded into one. Um, and it kind of makes you, it, well, I woke up this morning and I felt a little bit more on a level playing field, which is the first time in about a month that I've yeah. felt like that. Now that what strikes me, which makes me feel a bit of a, a fraud of it all, is mm. the fact that it's, I've sort of spent a month of really feeling shit yeah you said you've had the last 18 months or so yeah it's it's been a really tough time so to to give people a bit of a backstory I was in broadcasting for six years with the BBC my nose is running that's a good thing okay <laughs> I thought good time you, for you that mentioned the BBC I thought oh god she's gonna start crying about the BBC <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> well there's still time oh, yeah, um yeah. no 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 uh, so yeah I, I worked at the BBC for six years as a broadcaster and reporter and journalist and then um during Covid kind of all my presenting dreams had been taken away from me because everyone was having to do things that we didn't really want to do but because it was needs must and we were key workers and I went back to news reading so I struggled during the pandemic I won't lie I lived on my own and I was a key worker so I had very little contact and I couldn't go and stay with my parents like a lot of my friends did yeah um so instead you know I just carried on working and it was it was tough but what I had decided in that was that I needed a change and naturally during a pandemic I thought let's move to London (laughs) so I packed up my life um I had been single at that point for about two years and, and and that relationship previously at the end of that had sparked some some depressive episodes um, but I was like, right, I need, I now need to start living my my dreams and that's to move to London. So I packed up my flat that I'd not been in barely a year. Um, my parents were like, what are you doing? And I said, please, mum and dad, just trust me. I've got a good feeling about this. And thankfully it worked out. So I moved to London and um, yeah, stayed with some friends to begin with. But I went on the promise of four broadcasting shifts, four news reading shifts at TalkSport. That was it four shifts and trying to afford London life um but I suddenly just started getting lots of work I was really lucky that I was a co-host with Chris Evans on Mondays on Virgin Radio I was doing co-hosting with Stephen Mulhern and and Rick Wilson and um you know Gabby um Gabby Roslin and I was doing all this amazing stuff news reading for these amazing presenters on Virgin Radio whilst also doing talk sport radio doing podcasting you know you name it I was doing it but I was working kind of 16 hour days at least and there was no let up and I think during that time I wasn't financially savvy I was trying to date I was making meeting new people I moved into a house share which didn't have any of the luxuries I was used to of my own home um and then kind of started hanging out with the, my amazing group of friends in London, but they were very different to what I'd been used to. Going mm. out a lot, you know, when lockdown lifted, it was like party, party, party. And I was 27, I think, when all of this was going on. And it was just a lot. And I don't think I quite realised the intensity of it all until I started to slow down a bit. And right. I moved in to my own flat in London and financially that was a big pressure and I think and that is when all the problems started so that was the start of uh last year so it was February 2022 
And I was living in this beautiful flat in South London, but it was an awful lot of money. And whilst that was fine, um, the landlord was horrific. And I'm still in a legal battle now. Really? So, yeah, it was just, there's so many things to to talk about. And I've got to be careful what I say too much. But just, I would come home one day and, and my landlord would be sat on my sofa. Or the doors would all be open and there'd be workmen in there that I hadn't agreed to. And it was all very odd. And it's the highs of renting that I'm sure many people will be Mm. familiar with. and that's when it started. So I was starting to struggle again for after, you know, having this really intense, extreme highs and lows of London lifestyle, chaotic, busy. And I'm a country girl. And it was, like I said, a lot. And then I started to dip. Um, and my mum noticed it first. She's always the one that noticed it. She said, I can hear it in your voice. You're quite irritable. You're snappy with me. And I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Truth was, I wasn't fine. But thankfully, I then met my boyfriend, Joe. And I think without him, I honestly, if anything's going to make me cry, it's talking about him. <laughs> um, because I, I'd been with some terrible men and had awful dating experiences and tried to make relationships work that weren't going to work and getting involved with awful people and all of the above. But then Joe was a bassist of a, a country band I knew and as you know Pav I'm a big country music fan and I was kind of aware of him anyway and as it turns out he was aware of me and we kind of fancied each other so that was a good start yeah um and then we just we started dating and then started going out officially from the May but all of this stuff started to kick off really from the July um and he was incredible and then I think I've never been so vulnerable and shown myself to someone so quickly than I did with him. Um, And he saw me having huge panic attacks regularly, really bad dips. I have really bad body dysmorphia issues and was gaining weight because I was in a relationship. And that's what happens when you're in a new relationship because you eat and you're in love and it's all of that nice stuff. Can't you tell? I've been married nearly 30 years. Look at me. <laughs> that's how I know it's a happy relationship. Um, and, and that's the, and, but that was part and parcel of it. You know, everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, I can't remember. Someone described it beautifully for me, but um, it's like love calories. And I was like, yeah. Mm. And, and it was great. But also with that was a really dark feeling of I'm gaining weight. I don't like my body. And will this person that's with me also like me? Um, and so I was very vulnerable. I was convinced he was going to leave and of course he didn't and then in the September of last year we we managed to get me out of that flat and I moved in but since then it's been really tough because I was also in a job where I'd moved out of broadcasting into PR and I hated it it was the worst decision I've ever made because I went after money and not happiness which is another thing that people should really not do if you struggle with depression um and yeah, it's it's just been really tough. But in the last two months, you know, as I said, he's really helped me rebuild this last year, especially, and has been an absolute rock in all of it. And now I'm back on antidepressants, which I don't think I can ever come off. I've been on them, back on them for about a year. And sometimes I forget to take them. And I'm sure mm. if Joe's listening in the background, he'll be like, yeah, she's terrible. We have to have a big alarm that goes off at nine o'clock every night going, Sophia, take your pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I've started a new job. I now work in podcasting professionally. Wow. I know. You mean um, you're making money from podcasts? Is that even possible? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm making money. I'd say I'm I'm financially okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, even we that's can... Even that's a massive bonus we in the podcast world. The world. Yes. That's amazing. Um, but work in branded podcasting for companies, so it's a little bit different. Um, but now, because I've been on my tablets for a little while and I'm only on a small dosage of of 10 milligrams um moving here our relationship being really healthy and open and vulnerable and amazing and you know having this job that genuinely feels like I've got a creative outlet again I feel okay I feel I feel like touch wood I'm I'm at a good place so It's been tough, Pam. Yeah, it's been oh, real tough. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, there's, there's there's lots to not that I'm a psych, you know, psychotherapist, but there's a lot to unpack in what <laughs> you said. Lots to unpack. <laughs> a lots to unpack. So for, the first thing is, like, I, I noticed there's one thing that made me think about contacting you to be on the pod mm. is that you, I think you put it on Instagram, yeah, about the about the antidepressants. Yeah. Now the one thing I've had I've had that offered to me a couple of times, but I feel. I always want to steer away from that because I feel I've got a compulsive um, behavior. You know, I'm, I'm food is my thing that I just like. Yeah. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? I, is, I, I don't want to get hooked on medication, you know, even, and I don't know whether it would work for me or whether it wouldn't. Mm. So, so what does antidepressants do for you? What, what, what explain to me? So I can kind of take you back a little bit to when I started them for the first time, because I was like you, I was like, I don't want to go on a pill. I don't like the thought of that. There was a taboo around it. And and at the time I went on them was in 2019. So, you know, that's that's quite a long time ago when when people didn't really talk about mental health as much as we are now. Um, And I'd been in a six year relationship with somebody who, you know, I'd met when I was quite young, when I was 18 and we had a house together and and it was a, it was a good relationship, but it wasn't what I wanted. And I made the very hard decision to, to walk away. Um, But as a result of that, I then, again, there's a pattern here. I threw myself into work and that is, has always been my coping mechanism is to overwork. So I think for the last year when I couldn't work because I didn't like my job, um, that was a real, you know, tough period for me and and a shock. But at this point, that's when I start presenting. My career started taking off. But I get home and I wouldn't want to eat because I've never been very good at cooking. So I would just have a bit of toast. I'd always open a bottle of wine and I just kind of existed at home. But at work, I was like this vibrant, energetic mm. person. And you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. Yeah. But it was my mum, and it's always my mum, who was like, you're not right. And, you know, I think at that point we were a couple of months broken up, my my ex and I. And she said, you know, you made this decision and I'm not expecting you to be happy go Larry, but I do think that you are not coping as well as I thought you would. And I think we need to talk about it and I think you need to go get help. So I went to the GP and I had a total breakdown to this amazing nurse who I have never seen again. She probably was an angel that was sent to to sweep me off my feet and help. Um, But she was honestly fantastic. And she explained to me that you have only so many chemicals in your brain. You have a cup of chemicals and they help you to be happy and keep going. And she said, the problem is you're pouring from that cup 
into your work cup. So you're pouring the whole thing in and that means that you can keep going when you're working and you're presenting and you're doing all of this showman stuff as, as you know very well. You know, you, you're putting your f- full personality and energy out there. And she said, and when you get home, there's nothing left in the cup to pull from. And then the next day, that cup is a little bit emptier because you're constantly trying to to pour from an empty cup and there's nothing left. And so the cup starts to cave in. And I was like, oh, my God, that's exactly it. And I've never heard that before. And she said, well, there's an answer and it's a small pill. And the reason that I prescribed this to you is because it helps you replenish that cup faster. She said, the problem is, is you will be a little bit more on an even keel. So you won't get those highs, but you're also not going to get those lows. But you'll be able to kind of settle at a point where you still feel emotion because you're not on a massive dosage but it will help you cope. And I was really skeptical and I can't explain what it does, but it's just like someone unlocks my brain and almost puts a little cotton wool ball around it and says, it's okay. You've got some breathing room now, you know, you're safe and you can deal with things more. So when things start to happen as they do in life, whether it's grief, illness, breakups, you know, promotions, whatever, you're able to deal with it more rationally. And I've come off the pills and I've gone on them again and I've come off them. And, and, you know, I've, I'm the worst pill taker in the world, um, which is why we have to have such an aggressive alarm at nine o'clock that scares the shit out of me every Mm -hmm. time. But without that, I, I notice a massive difference and everyone around me does too. You know, I'm very lucky that my family's very close with me. My brother, um, especially is like, are you all right? And, you know, is how's your mental health doing? But it's my mum and Joe, my my partner, who will say, "Are you taking your pills?" And it's like they know. And I heard yeah. you. I heard um, it was a Keris saying that on on your first episode, and the people around her saying, "You're taking your pills," and it is the weirdest sentence to hear. But it's like I know I'm not, and I'm afraid of people asking me that question. And it's. Mm almost like everyone knows but it's only two people that will actually turn around and say are you taking your pills and my mum I I will always say yeah she'll go I don't believe you yeah and then she'll say Joe is she taking her pills it's weird isn't it because when you said about it's a it's a taboo there is a taboo thing yeah about saying that if you're in quotes on medication yeah because the first thing you think of is padded cells uh, jack, you know, straight jackets. You yeah. think, oh my god, you know, that, that, uh, being on medication is one step away from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and that is something that I'm. Uh, it's not, is it? It's not that at all. No, it's something that is going to help you. And I don't know whether that's in my mind is the fact that it's almost like you're admitting defeat if you yeah. go for something like medication. And I totally get it. And, and my mum said to me, and my mum's, you know, my dad will say that my my mum thinks the doctor's the answer for everything. And I think that that probably shows my dad's ignorance slightly and his his older, older way of doing things. And he'll admit that. Um, but my mum did say to me, you know, if you had cancer, you would take the drug you needed to take. Exactly. Yeah. So this is a long form of, of illness. And sometimes you need to accept that this is the pill you have to take long term. And I think ever since then, whenever I feel weird about it or I feel slightly embarrassed um, and I felt less so since talking about it more and hence the Instagram post when I thought 
many people will be shocked to hear I'm on this because of the kind of personality I am. Um, ever since then, I've thought, what does it matter? Because mm. I'm not opening a bottle of wine every night. I'm not, you know, starving myself as I did do in the first early part of, of feeling really, really desperate and and probably at the point of suicide. I was really not well. And now I think if one pill can save my life every day, then I'm going to take it and I'm not going to worry about it. Mm. And I think not every pill is right for everyone. There are so many variations out there and there are side effects. And, you know, I think weight gain or sickness, I feel sick when I take my pills for the first time to begin with, but it passes and soon it just helps you feel yourself again mm. and i think it's just a case of of seeing what works for you for some people it's exercise now i am not that person and no matter how much i tell myself that the gym will help and joe will always say you know you know it helps I say, yeah no i know it helps but that voice is not loud enough to go oh don't go to the gym <laughs> <laughs> so exercise is not my coping mechanism music helps me but only so much um, work is very much my vice and very much my my crutch. But again, I'm I'm mindful of the fact that that pours from a cup, and I've only got so much to give. And I think a combination of therapy over the years and talking, but also me talking as as you know I am now to you, to friends, to family. I'm much more of an open book about it. Combine that with taking a, a small pill every day. And I think without that, I might not be here. And I mm. genuinely think that 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 for me is is the the ingredients I need for long term happiness and health. Yeah. How good are you at um at, at taking advice? Because it's been a, a running thing of the episodes that we've done. Is mm. that I've always said I'm I'm great at giving advice, but if someone was giving me that same advice, I would pretty much tell them to fuck off. <laughs> So yeah. how, how are you with stuff like that? Because it seems to me that like if it comes from Joe or your mum, you'll kind of you'll stop and go, ah, oh, yeah, hang on a minute. But if it's anybody else, you sort of go, ah. Yeah, My yeah, mum will yeah, disagree yeah. with you. Oh really? Okay. <laughs> She'll go. She doesn't listen to me. <laughs> um, and it's taken a while because I think. My but it does make you say, stop, doesn't it? It does make yeah. you stop if they, if if Joe or your mum sort of says, hang it, on a minute. If it comes from a person who's taken the time to go hold on yeah like you say hold on a minute let's take a breath here and talk properly and I think it can't be made flippantly it's almost you know borderline intervention it's it's sitting down and going you know I've noticed this is that are you okay or I've noticed mm. that you know are you taking your pills and my mum will often because we don't live close anymore we're three hours away and and that's you know that's rubbish yeah but um it's very much a case of she will kind of hear me and my voice and my tone and my whatever I'm doing over the course of a week and then she'll make her judgment and I've learned to trust that now if you'd asked me five years ago I would have told you there's no fucking way I'm listening to my mum because I, I think there was some rebellious side of me that yeah, was yeah. trying to outlive my teenage years that I hadn't really gotten out of my system when I was when I was a teenager um, and she will definitely tell you the same. Um, but now I think because I'm able to experience the last four years of of going up and down since that relationship broke down and now being where I am, 
it's definitely changed things for me and I, I know for a fact that they are the people that I listen to now if my dad said it I'd be even more worried and I would absolutely do what my dad said within a second because oh, my really? dad yeah my dad doesn't say things often so it's like little nuggets of wisdom that you have to cherish um but I am much better at giving advice for sure yeah I think I think anybody that has gone through depression or anything is and are amazing at giving advice and yeah. always like I'm here if you want to talk I'm here yeah. you know. and yet I've had it so many times where people, like over just over the last few weeks people have known that there's something wrong and they'll message me always here ready to talk mate if you, no. if you you know and I'll go yeah okay and then yeah. move on to the next message because I know that I wouldn't and it's lovely that you know that there are people there that will yeah. be there but it's just the difference between taking that advice and giving that advice is is massive I yeah and I also think that it's a case of sometimes I think it's a deflection thing mm. that we're almost not ready to talk, but we're so good at dealing with these things so we can give the advice. But that means we're not necessarily having to face our own problems. And I think there's something to be said about that, that, that there almost needs to be a self-awareness of, am I taking advice um, because I want it or am I actually giving advice because I don't want the advice in the first place? Um and I also think that, you know, this, there is a lot to be said about being the crutch for people. And for the first time in the last 18 months, I have pulled back from friendships and I've prioritised myself, which I've never done before. And, you know, a couple of friendships I'm now rebuilding, but there's been situations where I've just not spoken to people that were at one point my best friends because I just can't cope with what they've got going on and it's right. not fair to them and it's not fair to me. Um, and that's been really hard and people haven't taken it well, but now I've explained it from the other side, as it were, they now get it. But, you know, that was a really hard thing to do. And I have never done that before. I never said, I'm really sorry, but I, I can't be there for you at the moment because I have to be there for myself. Mm. And that is wild but i'm very proud of myself for being able to do that because that shows growth <laughs> yeah but do you feel that's the hardest thing because mm. i still find that as a lot of people say to me you need to take time out for yourself when i was i was I had to cancel a couple of gigs and i was really i kept thinking i'm i'm, I'm letting these people down uh i've i've you know i had a couple of weeks off work i'm letting everybody at work down and people are saying to me you just need to worry about yourself yeah. Don't don't give a shit about anybody else at the moment. Just concentrate on making sure that you're okay with yourself. And I find that the hardest, I think the hardest and the biggest barrier to get over uh, uh, over all of it. Yeah, it's it's huge. And uh, you know, I think because of that, that I think that's born out of our our jobs and our personality. We are probably extroverted people. I can, yeah, I, we are extroverted people and we do jobs which require us entertaining people and and we thrive off the reaction that we get from people and the interaction and and doing such um, a flamboyant and over-the-top thing that involves people coming back to us. And that helps us, you know, that that gives us that boost of serotonin and, and all of the chemicals that we need. So when we're told to take a step back from that, it's like, well, where am I supposed to get that from? But it's a different kind of energy that you get from pressing pause. And it's taken me so long to realise that. And I've suffered with mental health probably from, from a small child and haven't quite realised it. But 
it's I've never been the person to to take a pause on myself and 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 be selfish until now and um you know I'm approaching 30 and and my my thought was I cannot go into my 30s trying to please everyone else I have to start putting myself first because I can't keep going through the rigmarole of ups and downs every few years because I you know I don't want to lose people that are important to me who who will be there for me but you know there is part of you that goes well how long will they be there for me for so I think there is power in taking a pause but it's really hard for people like us when all we want to do is please everyone else because that's what we've done our entire lives and that's mm. what we do for a living. Mm. And we get huge satisfaction and buzz from that. But the aftermath of that is a massive low. So there is also that to deal with. And it's just being honest with ourselves, which takes, I think, a little bit longer. Well, I say, I've said it before, is that, that people like us, I think we, we live our lives on a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. And we have amazing highs. But with amazing highs, <laughs> you've got to have those dips. Yeah. And some people love being on the carousel. That's how they love to do their job and, and live their life. But I, I think I prefer the roller coaster because because you, with what you get from the highs, whether you're getting that high yourself or whether you're doing something so that other people are enjoying that yeah. high, I think it's a, it's it's a trade off. It doesn't feel like that when you're in the middle of the of mm. the low, but it's when you've got that high, then you feel that that's why you're here that's the yeah. reason that you're you are but the other thing is i also feel that people like ourselves we're we're two people like you yeah. say we are the person the extrovert i wouldn't class myself as an extrovert i class myself as quite a i'm a i'm a shy not very confident person an introverted extrovert yeah or is I it am. extroverted introvert Both probably the latter <laughs> either way (laughs) but either way but it's it's having to play that part but then when you're alone with yourself like you say i think it's it's i feel it's also like that scene in lord of the rings with Gollum and schmeagel talking to each other you know and you're going oh yeah you know you know everything's fine i've got people that love me ah yeah but then they might not be here forever yeah Yeah, but they're they're here now yeah but what happens if they and and you're always asking yourself these questions yeah then then it from being really happy you start thinking oh my god yeah and the clouds come in i get that at night as well and i don't know about you but but at night time it's like heightened when i'm in bed especially when i'm on my own if joe's gone out for a night yeah god help him (laughs) (laughs) my brain does something and he and he he knows and he's he's getting better at managing that and and we have a bit of a thing in our relationship where um he'll say to me do you need silly joe or do you need sensible joe you know what what joe do you need or do you need practical joe or do you need comfort joe because he's not used to dealing with with the mental health uh, of somebody else um because he's been on his own for an, for a number of years he's a bit older than me right. um so <laughs> i love to get that in um <laughs> but yeah he he will kind of he's now got used to saying what do you need from me um which is really helpful but that's when great. when he no that's great yeah and it, and it makes it's made a huge difference for us as a couple but when he goes out something happens in my brain and i know it's not him but in my head something's going well what if he goes out and what if there's other girls that try to talk to him and and what if he stays out too late and what if he gets hurt on the way home and i can't quieten this this internal monologue of 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 evil um 
and it's getting quieter and it's getting better but I think that comes with with being on your own and, and like you say the dark mist coming in and it's the low points that make the low so much harder because in the day if you've had all these big highs and whatever you feel on cloud nine but that doesn't yeah. last forever no um and sometimes when you're on your own and you're with your thoughts it's like god this is deafening um and and it's hard to process those in a in a really rational manner um and i think you know that that if that happens for a period of time if you're out of work for a period of time if you haven't got a gig for it for a number of of weeks or if i haven't you know sold a podcast to a, to a company it's like oh god what what am i doing and the internal monologue gets a little bit louder and and that's when you struggle um but again it's just being able to recognize it and i don't think there's ever going to be a magic cure for anyone no. and i think it's always going to be a roller coaster when you when you deal with mental health and when you have the jobs that we have um and i think it's just learning to kind of cope with that and also adapting when the roller coaster goes a little bit left and a little bit right when you weren't expecting it either well i i have the same i used to have the same thing every night going to bed uh, i would worry about my kids i'd worry about my grandkids but it'd be like I'd close my eyes and go to bed and then I could picture horrific things happening. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I listen to carry-on films all night now and I get to sleep perfectly fine. Oh, that's so good. I just, I, I have, I, I bought every carry-on film on iTunes. <laughs> so I have them and I have one of those, Aww. one of those headbands that's got earphones in. Yeah. I put, I, and I, I play them at one every night in order I press play and within 10 minutes, if I can hear Sid James going, ha, 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 I'm asleep. I'm just gone. Oh, my God. Well, I have the same with white noise. Right. So every night I'll say, uh, hello, smart speaker, because I'm not yeah. going to say it because I'll set the whole bloody house off because yeah, we live in a, in a web. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll say, hello, smart speaker, um, play my white noise playlist on Spotify. And every night it's like five minutes, I'm out. Yeah. But. I have to say, I have to almost tell myself to do that. So, you know, if if Joe is out and it's kind of nine o'clock at night and I'm normally go to bed like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night, if it's nine o'clock and those voices start creeping in, I'll say, right, you're probably tired. Just go to bed, put the white noise on and try and drown it out. And that's starting to work. But it's, it's um, I'm like, you, I, I dread, I don't dread, but I do dread the day I have kids because I know I'm going to love them so fiercely mm. that, that the, the the monologue will be even louder. And I, my mum even says to me, she said, how are you going to deal with that? And I'm like, let's not think about that now. <laughs> no, no one needs that, that fear on their brains right no, now. <laughs> no. But just to let you know, Sophia, like it never stops. Yeah. Even like my youngest is 22, 21, 22. <laughs> and I worry about all of my adult kids more now than yeah. I ever did when they were little. Cause at least when they were little, I could see where they were. You protect them, right? And I could see what they could do when they're oh. out doing their own thing. It is, yeah. it is, I mean, it's a good job. I've got no hair because I wouldn't have any hair because I worry. I mean, that's probably why I've got no hair. Cause I've, <laughs> it, once the kids are grown up, then I've got grandkids to worry about and it becomes a constant worry. Yeah. It just is a yeah. constant worry. So that doesn't help your mental health at all but no, and and it's it's like again it's that thing you're saying at the start I'm glad we're talking about it because you do feel alone and you feel like am I the only one that's having this internal monologue of worry and fear and I'll sometimes mm. talk to my friends you know my three best friends I don't think they struggle with mental health in the way that I do and I think they they would agree um 
but and I've said to them before you know do you worry about your partners and stuff and they're like well Joe's not going to do anything I'm like no no I know that I know that my rational brain goes I know that but the irrational part of my brain will tell will lead me on a pack of lies and a and a a path that I've never wanted to go down the golem part of your brain yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) and and they've they've all said no I don't have that then my other friend said well, I just track my boyfriend and then I'm fine. <laughs> so well, there's always that. There's always tracking. You just need to, yeah, put find a phone on your on your phone and you're I'll fine. I'll have just GPS on my kids for forevermore <laughs> when they come on until until I'm no longer here. Yeah, put one of those um, Apple Air tags in their yeah. bags and that'll be they fine. They will never know. No. You'll have like this this secret layer with cameras and and, and screens everywhere oh, like God. Batman's Batman's that cave. That would be amazing. And I'll just you know like when Homer puts his feet up on the on yes. the desk he's got a donut in one hand and, and like an ice <laughs> ice latte in the other that'll be a dream i could see myself doing that can you imagine they come home and you say where have you been oh we went came straight home from school no i noticed that yeah. you went to the shop you went to your friend's <laughs> house there'll be a whole print out yeah uh, don't pull the wool over my eyes do you know what i'm gonna have to say to joe we're not converting the garage into an office we're converting it into a cctv surveillance yeah. room ready for when we have children yeah yeah <laughs> i love it because one of my one of my grandkids is at the age now where they're going out with their friends mm. and like when when they come over and stay we say be home by five o'clock so like quarter to six rolls round. oh um i i i i, I thought i'd set an alarm on my i said don't bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah. I've heard this with all of your aunts and uncles. Don't say that because I've also I know, done it. Yeah, I know that you're <laughs> bullshitting me. So don't yeah. any excuse you come up with. I've heard a million times. We yeah. know more than you do. She said, "How? How do?" You? I said, "Because we do." So don't yeah. have to worry about it. Just don't lie. And I think that's the thing. When I have kids, they they're going to try and tell me everything. I'm like, "Look, listen, your mum here. I yeah. have lived a life." Exactly. <laughs> And that's what they do. They always think, oh, stupid parents yeah. and grandparents, they don't know nothing. No, they think that we're just living in a cave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you will be. You'll be in the back cave with all of yeah. your screens. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, sort of coming to the end of this, I mean, when, when you say about the relationships as well, mm. do you feel that, that 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 is sort of key to have as a as a solid base, no matter what happens? If things crumble around you at a certain point at the time, you've got solid foundations there that is going to stay. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's going, to, it's going to be helpful for you. Completely, because I, I you know, I, I've had things happen in my past which I think have triggered triggered this, um, and I won't go into it because then I will cry. Okay. Um, but there are things that have happened where when I was with previous partners, you know, they've just not got it, and and it's been it's been quite tough because that almost makes the, the the pain even harder and the mental health, you know, even deeper, you know, fall even deeper. And I think you take for granted how much people around you can really help. And I think because I didn't have that for a long time, I didn't understand it. So then when my mum tried to help at periods, I think I pushed her away. Um, and and that's how she knew that I wasn't right, you know, because I wouldn't answer my phone as much or we wouldn't catch up as much or I wouldn't reply to the last text and she'd be aware that something was happening. But I think because I didn't have a partner who really understood and also who I probably wasn't vulnerable enough with, because again, you know, we wouldn't, we didn't talk about it as much or, you know, you want to present your best self when you're in an early start of a relationship and of try course. and seem yeah. the best person ever. Um, it doesn't help. But I think now, because I have the kind of two pillars of my mum and Joe, now 
I really see the value in that. And I know I'm really lucky because I know a lot of people might not have that other person or might not have their parents. And I don't take that for granted at all because I think without them, I'd be lost. And then, of course, that comes into the thing of late at night when I worry that I'll lose both of them. And then we go on another roller coaster of anxiety and depression. Mm. Um, but but I do think that, that that helps. And I think, you know, what what my advice would be is, if you don't have that person, then that's where therapy can be invaluable. And I've got a really good friend of mine who I've known for years and we've lived together and she's a bit older than me, but we've been friends since, since, you know, we were young and we deal with a lot of the same issues from weight to depression to anxiety, but she's on her own. And she also doesn't have family here because of, uh, of um, her work, taking her to different parts of the world. And she said to me the other week when we finally caught up, um, she said, you know, I've finally gone to therapy and I can't live without my therapist. And she said, it's been the biggest change. She said, it's once once a month, I catch up and she tells me when I'm being an idiot and she tells me when I, when it's okay. And she talks to me like a friend would talk to me. And it's taken her years to find that therapist that, that fits her. And I think that that for her has been transformational in knowing she's got a safe space to talk to. And I think that everyone needs that. And so if, if you are listening to this and you think, well, I don't have a partner or I don't have a parent or I don't have a friend that I can speak to, there is power in having a therapist, yeah. even though they are taking your money. Yeah, um, yeah. There is power in that because they can build a bond with you and they will hear you and they will learn to tell you the things you need to hear when you need to hear them, even if you don't think you need to hear them and tell you when you're being an idiot, tell you when you're being irrational, but also tell you when it's okay to be sad and that you're not alone and that depression is real. And I think that that is the biggest thing that can come from, you know, come for anyone that needs help. And if you don't feel safe enough with family and friends and and relationships, then again, that's where therapy can be incredible. And it doesn't always require a pill alongside that. But sometimes, you know, that little bit of medication to see you through a dark patch can help too. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. See, I'm sure we've, (laughs) we've helped so many people today, you know. I hope so, because that's why I do it. And like, you know, when you reached out and said, I saw your post on Instagram, you know, I felt felt really weird posting that. But I wanted to to make people aware that even the people that you probably think, you know, would would not be taking a pill or dealing with depression. Everyone goes through shit and everyone's dealing with a battle. And it's that cliche of, you know, you never know what someone's going through. But it's true. And I think the more we can talk about it and as people, we can kind of take down our guards and, and tell people what we're going through, the better. So I love what you're doing. And I think this podcast is going to help a lot of people. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is coming from somebody who works in podcasting. I'm just letting <laughs> you all know she's a podcast expert because she gets paid for podcasts. <laughs> paid for podcasts. <laughs> I've never met anybody like that before. Oh my I know. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Um, I was even shocked when I got offered the job. I was like, is this real? <laughs> yeah, this can't be real. Uh, Sophia, no, thank you very much. It's been lovely catching up with you. It really it's, has. And, it's been um, a pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on the top 10 of anything pod. What am I going to choose? That's another matter. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll sort that out in the new year. And we'll also, um, I mean, if you want to come back and we can have another chat uh, on here, it'd it'd be great. 
I'm sure when I'm in a low point, that'll be the yeah. time to chat to you. I do. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe wait until I'm back in the real trough and you are as well, and that'll be like yeah. 45 minutes of pure gold or we'll just pure sob. blackness. <laughs> yeah, 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 we will. Uh, right, let me just get through this because I'm still getting used to this. So if you want to email, then it's bigblackbearpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to catch up with us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all of those places, just hit the link tree uh, link and it'll take you to everywhere you need to go. Um, and if you need urgent help, then uh, the Samaritans is UK is 116123. And then the USA is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 273-8255. Or the suicide hotline in the US is 988 um, also come and check out the top 10 of anything pod all of it's uh, in the show notes so just click on the links there Sophia once again yeah, thank you so much for joining me you're wonderful Have you are wonderful <laughs> thank you very much everybody goodbye friends <laughs>